0: Sorry I missed your call, I was busy Now I don't get to say, hey,
1: how was your day? Welcome to episode 3 of The Radicals. A podcast version of the novel, The Radicals, written by me, Marilyn Krasner. The Radicals is narrated by Amanda Friedlander. Intro and outro music by Siobhan Hurd. Links in the show notes. We live about a mile from the laundry house. Most nights I walk to work. In the spring and summer I leave home early so I can walk slowly and enjoy the blossoming trees and the smell of barbecues and backyards. Cecilia's parents bought their house to be close to work. Both of her parents and more than a few uncles, aunts, and cousins worked at the laundry house at some point. Cecilia's parents met there. Cecilia started working there when she was in high school. When it was time for her to go to college, the owners of the laundry house made her a deal. If she would come back and work for the business after college, they would help pay for her expenses while she studied. She took the deal and she has never worked anywhere else. Around the back of the main building at the laundry house is the food truck where I get my dinner. I am starving. How you doin'? I asked the food truck owner. Living the dream. She laughs her gravelly laugh that makes me smile. Special carne asada today. It's my anniversary. Five years. I order the special burrito and a soda. After my sugar binge at the health food store this afternoon, I promised myself I wouldn't eat any more sugar, but soda and a burrito go well together, and anyway, fuck it. Five years of what? My stomach growls at me. Don't distract her with small talk while she's making the food. My truck. I got a lot to thank your lady for. Oh, yeah? I've heard this story before, but I oblige her because I like her. I was at the end of the line, bagging the cleans. Right after they come off the machine you work on, she knew I sold tamales on the side. I love watching her, not just because she is about to feed me, but because she is so confident. She said, you know your tamales? And I thought, shit, she's going to tell me off for moonlighting or something. Then she said, have you ever thought about making food full time? And I was like, do I think about it? I dream about it every day. By the end of my shift that day, she had signed me up for a small business course. I had to make a business plan. I didn't have a computer, so she gave me an hour off every shift for a month and let me use her computer to write my business plan. She turns around and hands me the giant silver torpedo that is my dinner. I think it weighs a couple pounds at least. I hold out the cash. On the house. No, come on, I say, laying the bill on the counter of the truck. You got me in a good mood. Buy her something nice with this. She pushes the bill back into my hand. There are people waiting to order, so I take the money. It's not enough to buy anything Cecilia would like, but I could start a fund. When Frida was born, she brought tacos over to the house. She is kind. I should take lessons. I sit down on one of the plastic milk crates in the small makeshift dining area with its stacked pallet tables and half-dead potted plants. This place looks the same as it did when I first sat here two years ago. This is where Cecilia committed her completely unprofessional and admirable act of flirting with me during my job interview and gave me the talk that I have since found out she gives everyone she hires. She lays down the law while at the same time endearing herself to her employees. We are not a charity. I don't care what you've done. All I care is that you show up on time and do your work without any drama. I have a no drama policy. We all have things in our personal lives and my door is always open. So if anything is going to affect your ability to do your job, I need to know about it. If you have drama with anyone you work with, you tell me right away. I'm not going to judge you. I believe each and every person is capable of great things. I look at you and I see a strong woman who is starting a new life. You have a job. You are essential to this business. I am so glad you are joining our family. Welcome. She put her hand on mine and looked into my eyes. Later, we called this meeting our first date. She bought me a burrito. We got personal, much to the interest of the woman in the food truck, who had been witness to many of Cecilia's meetings over the years, but never one like ours. The food feels good in my belly. like The love she puts into her food is hugging my insides, but I'm tired as well. I can't believe I got eight hours on my feet ahead of me. The laundry house is a factory, there's no denying that. We wear uniforms that look like the ones scientists wear when they are containing a megavirus. It's a long sleeve white coverall suit with a hood and white gloves. Everyone entering the main facility has to wear one. It took me a few months to get over my shame at having to wear the uniform, but then I was like, fucking get over yourself, because everyone in here looks the same. I'm not special. We clean linens for hospitals and old folks' homes. Some of those people have no immune system and that's why we wear the protective uniforms. I'm a folder, which means all night long while everyone else I know is sleeping, I'm standing at a big blue machine and pushing the edge of sheets into the hungry clamps that grab the sheet and get it secure so the belts and straps can suck it into the folder. Then right side over, left side over, front to the back, back to the front, and a perfectly folded rectangle is stacked on top of other perfectly folded rectangles. After the stack gets to about six sheets, Another machine sends them down the ramp to the bagging area. All the linens are delivered here in plastic bags, and after they are cleaned, they leave here in new plastic bags. Monotonous doesn't even begin to describe this job. I find myself making up stories about the people who touch these sheets. Like I'm leading a seance right here on the factory floor. Just yesterday, the sheet in my hands was bunched up at the end of some dad's hospital bed as his doctor informed him that he only had a few months to live. The guy kicked at the sheets in a rage because he wasn't going to live long enough to see his son play in the World Series. His young son stood in the corner of the room celebrating silently because this news meant he would never have to go to Little League practice again. Instead, he could spend his free time doing what he loved the most— Dressing his little sister's dolls up in their most glamorous clothes in front of the TV while watching Maroon 5 videos on repeat because the singer makes him feel a special excited feeling he doesn't fully understand except that it's like he has birthday cake in front of him and he's allowed to eat as much as he wants without his mom saying anything and he won't get sick. I don't mind the job. My body gets tired from standing all night, but it's not hard work. We all have sitting options if we need them, but only the real old ladies sit. The oldies are working as hard as anyone else, it's just that they sit. No one else wants to get to that point. During my breaks, I go into the exercise room for about 5 minutes and do some half-ass yoga just to have it recorded on the camera that I was there. The whole place is on camera. I prefer to get out of the building onto the sidewalk in front of the facility where I like to look at the stars for a few. Almost everyone that works here is part of Cecilia's Back Into the Fold initiative. That's how I got hooked up with the laundry house. Cecilia set up all these partnerships with organizations that work with the courts, probation, parole, immigration to identify candidates for jobs. Almost all the staff here have been in jail or arrested. I don't get too deep with people's stories. I try to keep my mind clear of other people's problems. I know my problems are small compared to some of these people, and maybe because of that I'm supposed to be more generous or something, like... Offer people rides to work or take care of their kids, but in my experience, people who have problems often have more problems caused by their initial problems Then it turns into this never-ending rotating door of problems, and that's what I try to avoid. I listen when someone tells me what's going on, but I don't ask questions. I don't have it in me to offer help to anyone right now. The double bell rings, which means we load our last item. The machine's quiet. It's lunch break, or whatever the fuck you call a meal at 11 p.m., Hey, D. can I talk to you for a minute? The night shift maintenance guy is standing next to the uniform drop-in staring at me. I'm trying to remember his name, but I can't. He's got this massive mustache and a skinny face. He looks like a caricature of a county fair carny. He nods toward the maintenance office. It smells like grease and cigarette smoke in there. We're gonna be down a maintenance guy. The day guy is moving out of state at the end of the year. Your name came up as someone who might be a good fit for the fix-it team. I keep looking at him. We'll give you floor training. Would mean a shift change for you. Days. You'd have to pass the electricals. Those are off-site. You interested? What's electricals? I put my hands so deep in the pockets of my jeans that the front part pulls away from my stomach and exposes my lower belly. If I looked down, I could see my underwear. I relax my arms and wonder if he saw that. Electrician training, but you wouldn't be an electrician. written test, then a hands-on. It'll take six months to do that training, but you'll be working on the floor while you're studying. I nod. What the fuck? Why me? I need to think about it. I'd take care of the baby during the day. Ah, the boss knows. She had to approve this conversation we're having right now. Well, I guess it sounds like something I could think about. You guess? There are people who would kill for the spot that you're being offered. Why'd you fucking come to me then? I want to yell at him. I know I'm not interested. I thought you hated nights, he says. Doesn't everyone? I've always been a night owl. Listen, you think about it and talk to the boss if you need to. Confine me tomorrow night. Cecilia is going to be pissed that I don't want to do the job, but I'm pissed at her. She obviously set this shit up. I'm not a fix-it person, I'm an ideas person. I only have six months left on probes. Does she think I'm staying in this fucking job after that? I have no idea what I will do after I'm free, but I didn't plan on wearing a tool belt and be at the beck and call of this place. I only have 10 minutes left of my lunch break now after that waste of my time. I down the rest of my cold burrito super fast, which gives me indigestion for the rest of my shift. At 3.30am, the bell rings and I load the last sheet of the shift. Then the closed-down bell rings and the machines go quiet. This is the best part of the night. The deafening hum of the machines dies down and the vibrations stop tickling my body. My coworkers then offer me rides home. Sometimes I go with them, but mostly I walk so I can wind down. The city smells different at night because the air, even in bone-dry Los Angeles, is misty. It's comforting being out here when everyone else is still asleep. I walk in the middle of the road. In a couple hours, this street will be covered with fast-moving cars occupied by stressed-out Angelenos trying to find the fastest route to wherever the fuck they are going. Trying to get through the day without crashing into anyone and having to call their insurance company or mommy or the cops. Not realizing how lucky they are to be here. I am also lucky to be here. I have no idea where I would be if I wasn't right here, right now. If I had to list the things I've seen in my previous life, it would bring me down so low that I don't know if I could get out of bed tomorrow, and because I've got a baby to take care of, staying in bed all day is no longer an option for me. I will just say that freaks come out at night, and even though I was one of those freaks, I wasn't the freakiest fucked up freak. I stayed safe because I moved fast, like I was always late for a train. If I wasn't moving, I wasn't a target. I still practice this method avoid dark doorways, walk in the middle of the street. When someone, or sometimes many someone's, approach, and they always do, I'm carrying a weapon, pepper spray, or a knife. It makes me feel secure. It changes depending on what I can get my hands on. These days, it's pepper spray. I was lucky. Nothing happened to me that was permanently detrimental to my psyche. I was never raped, but almost. I was never hospitalized, but mom was that time she was pushed down the front steps of that building. I was robbed many, many times. I watched friends OD. I counseled a suicidal friend many times. I helped a random woman suffocate her dog after it got hit by a car. I ran away more than once when trouble closed in and I didn't always check in on my friends to see if they were safe. That all feels really far away from me now, even though it would take me no time to drive across town and find some of my old companions and attempt reentry re-entry into that atmosphere. That's my thought just before I get to the driveway of my place. I stand still for a minute or two and stare at the outdoor light at the bottom of the stairs. The light Cecilia and her parents installed specifically for me so that I would be safe when I got home from work at 4 in the morning. Out of courtesy and respect for this place and the people that live here, I fold my memories back into my skin. It is intentional and painful to hide myself, but I do this so that I can function here. Inside the house, a soft light in the corner of the room is on. Frida and Cecilia are snoring as they should be. I shower and get into bed. I am so comfortable in a dreamy, warm, fuzzy, almost asleep zone. Shit. Frida is crying. I want to scream, but I kick my covers off and go to the fridge to get the bottle from the clear plastic bin Cecilia has labeled middle of the night. While the bottle is heating up, I get Frida up. She's soaking wet. Fuck. I swear Cecilia doesn't know how to seal the diaper so they don't leak. This means a full screaming wardrobe change. Frida shivers with hunger and cold as I peel the pee-soaked clothes from her tiny body. I watch my hands change the diaper and put dry clothes on this real live fragile human being. Who the fuck thought it was a good idea to let me do this? I'm wide awake, so I turn the TV on. The whole room lights up like there's a search party in here. Maybe I should ask them to look for my hopes and dreams. Frida's head is resting on my shoulder as I walk around in front of the TV. I'm so tired, but I do love this time alone, quiet, holding her heavy sleeping body. When I take care of her while Cecilia is sleeping, I watch TV. When I watch TV, I channel surf. I love doing this. It's one of my secrets. I bounce around the ridiculous, make-believe world of television, staring at makeup-caked faces for hours even though I know it's bad for me. Frida makes one of her, I'm about to wake up, noises, so I shift her little body into a cradle hold, then onto my shoulder. She settles, and I can tell she's asleep again. I'm good at this. I grab the remote out of the back pocket of my sweatpants. I bought these sweatpants because they have four great big pockets. They are my middle-of-the-night TV-watching-and-baby-holding pants. I can fit a bottle in one of the back pockets and the remote in the other. In the front pockets, I have a dribble cloth, tissues, a baby toy, and a pacifier. My regular paycheck has offered me luxuries I never knew I wanted. I have to keep my front turned toward the TV so that Frida is facing away from it. If she gets one look at it, she will not look away. Even after it goes dark, she will stare at it without blinking, hoping it will replay its magical light show at some point. I've landed on a shouty right-wing talk show and I recognize the man on the screen. An alarm is ringing deep inside me. I am unsafe. I am angry. His name pops up underneath his bulbous face. I know the name because it is my name too. That's Carl Jukes. My father is on TV and he is grinning. It's not obvious, but I know the expression. He is full to bursting with self-importance, but he's putting on a stern, tight-lipped mask to cover it up. The wire from his earpiece is hanging haphazardly next to his right ear, but he doesn't seem to notice it and I love that. I love that he looks like a fool on TV. What is this show? Whatever it is, he didn't get dressed up for it. He still thinks that mini leather biker vest is a good look. He has never accepted that it is not biker gang tough. He looks like a butch dyke who is hoping for a good night out on the town that ends with some no guilt girly action in a dark corner. Under the vest, he is wearing a black shirt adorned with faded stars and stripes. The other two white guys on the screen are in suits and ties, khaki pants offscreen, no doubt. They look identical to each other, with their shaved-on-the-sides Hitler hairdos that are all the rage amongst the alt-right neo-Nazi racist youth. I turn up the volume enough to hear their voices. His name has been replaced by at CR Jukes. I stare in disbelief that Carl would know how to work any piece of technology that would allow him to use social media, let alone know how to use social media. But at the same time, it makes perfect sense. He loves the sound of his own opinions, and online the lines are always open. I strain to hear what he is saying. Do you want them to take your guns? They're not gonna take mine. Sharia law has taken over the US. The Country is suffering because of the selfishness of the millennials who have no sense of service to their nation. This comment ignites one of the other white dudes. Carl puts his hands up in a defensive pose. Look at those thick fingers. I put one of my hands out to look at it. They are the same as his. Sally always called them man hands. Cecilia says she likes them. The interviewer asshole is holding up a book written by Carl. Sheep with an Attitude, the strong case for millennials to experience war by reinstating the draft. Catchy title. Fuck. I'm in shock. I turn away from the TV and stand in the kitchenette. I can't scream, but that's all I want to do. My guts are bouncing on trampolines. This fucking dude! He used to rant at us when we were kids. Luke was too young and had no idea what Carl was talking about. I had more vocabulary, but that didn't mean I understood anything. After a while, when someone is talking nonstop, it's easy to tune out. Especially guys who think they know everything. I remember being stuck in a cramped room with the curtains closed. The beach and the sun over the road, but we were sitting in that hot space listening, but not listening, to the rise and fall of his words. His face, so rough. His smell comes easily to me now. Car grease. A hint of polo cologne, a speed stick deodorant, and the musk of him. I hate the nostalgic pain of these memories. He was no father, though. Not caring. Not supportive. Not kind. Not around. Fuck, I hate this guy on the TV. I pull out the remote and turn the TV off. It's not right. He shouldn't be allowed to share his opinions with the television audience. Who let that happen? I need to find him. It won't be hard. I can't break the rules of my probation though. Not for this idiot. It's so dangerous. He's a sociopath. Fucking Carl Jukes. I wish I had changed my last name a long time ago. I can't believe he wrote a book. I can't believe he was on TV next to those guys. They were polished, white supremacists. They probably took a semester of marketing. They know about messaging. Carl couldn't stay on message even if he was reading off of a teleprompter. He was such an outsider among those Hitler youth. The leader of his one-man, agnostic, Jewish, white power gang of no-hoper men who practice maximum seed-spreading. I know he's a member of the Worst Fathers in History Association, established 1974. I need to get online. I sit down on the couch and transfer Frida from my shoulder to a cradle hold so I can look at her beautiful face. Her hair is dark and fluffy and mostly sits on the top of her head. Frida, I whisper so that I don't wake her up. I just saw my father on TV. I haven't told you about him at all, but he's a world-class asshole. I don't know what I'm going to do about it. I'm going a bit crazy right now. Frida doesn't wake up. I know what she would want me to do, and that is to do what is right for me her little tongue pokes out of her mouth back in bed she headbutts her mama's breast softly Cecilia responds by pulling at her breast for Frida it's a weird primal ritual that slaps me back into domestic reality it's Saturday we have lunch plans with Cecilia's cousins today I don't have time to think about fucking Carl Jukes it's warm this morning but I am not warm right now this is a familiar but forgotten feeling right and wrong are fighting inside of me anxiety and excitement logic against instinct if i can get to sleep maybe i can get past these instincts to hack into cecilia's laptop or phone and study up on fucking carl jukes maybe i will wake up cleansed of these surging urges to drive to wherever that fucker is and duct tape his hands and feet together and lock him in a dark room where he can't cause any pain to anyone else i take another shower the hot water brings me back to my tired body I'm saturated with exhaustion as I climb into my sliver of the bed. He's not worth thinking about. Some people are meant to be caretakers of children, some people are not. I didn't get one of the good ones, and that's the way it is. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. When I wake up, Cecilia is standing next to the bed holding Frida and looking at me. All of those words used throughout history don't touch the surface of how beautiful she is sunsets and those swarms of birds that move in unison over green fields come to mind good morning cecilia is smiling her fake coping smile she holds frida straight out to me the hold usually reserved for passing a baby with a shitty diaper she wants you i rub my face hard to wake up enough to take the baby what's up nothing she doesn't like me what cease no she loves you it's like she knows i'm going to fuck her up No, 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 no. That's my job, remember? Cecilia smiles. Her face is wet with tears. Frida lets out a big cry. She's just uncomfortable, probably. I lift the baby, putting her head on my shoulder and holding her bottom as high as I can to get it on my chest. Don't throw over your shoulder like that. I hate it when she criticizes me, especially when I'm trying to help. I suck a defensive response back into my body with a deep breath. I force a smile and put one hand on Frida's bottom and one on her back to show Cecilia that she is fully supported. What if something happens that I can't handle, she says. I don't think there is anything you can't handle. It's just that some days are going to be better and some days are going to be badder. Do you want to cancel with the cousins today? No, I'm looking forward to seeing them. They make me laugh. Would you mind if I didn't go? I was up with her till about six and I could use some alone time. After I dropped Cecilia and Frida off, I head straight over to the internet cafe I've had my eye on since I moved in with Cecilia. Anyone can walk into an internet cafe, sit down in a crusty office chair, and get online. In my past life, I had several safe internet cafes I would use. Infiltrating these mostly male spaces is still a thrill for me. If those game-obsessed weebs knew some of the stuff I got up to IRL, it would put their pixel-perfect lives to shame. I don't know why they are called cafes. I've never been to one that sells food. If they did serve food, I wouldn't eat any. I've spent many an hour in the dark corners of these types of places, and I've never once seen anyone clean. Not one PC, desk, chair, mouse, or any of the other equipment touched by the unclean hands of video game addicts and other dodgy people, like me, who want to remain anonymous. It's like the myth about the bowl of peanuts at the bar. I would expect the surfaces of an internet cafe to hold every bodily fluid and contagion. The guy at the front desk looks up from his smartphone. How long you want? An hour? Ten dollars. I pay with cash, of course. Can I print? One dollar a page. Prices have gone up, but I don't care. I sit down at number 16. It's in the middle of the two center rows of about 40 machines, but only four other people are in here. It's a beautiful, sunny Saturday. What's their excuse? I fill in the basic information required to log into the computer. I always use the same alias trick. My last meal plus the name of a band or singer that has a song I like. Burrito Bear is my name for this session. I give a fake birth date and I'm in. I search Carl Jukes and find him instantly. His smug face is on the screen staring back at me. He looks old and a lot like his father, a man I only met once, but who I liked. Our politics were at opposite ends of the spectrum, but there was basic mutual respect, so we agreed to disagree. His head is pointy on the top, which I don't remember about him, and his jowls protrude from the side of his face like mutton chops would if he had those. I've always wanted facial hair that I could style mutton chops, a handlebar mustache a soul patch, or a massive beard I could hide self-defense or surveillance equipment in. It seems like fun to change your look in such a drastic way. Because my hair is thick and black, I know I would have great facial hair. Carl's eyes are squinty. His social media posts are repetitive. He is big on accusing people of treason and backing law enforcement and the military. The Carl I knew was not a fan of the police and, by default, the military. Who the fuck is this guy? His website looks like he has created it himself in the 90s. The writing is clumsy and full of mistakes. There is an excerpt from his ebook that I will not be buying. He's charging $20. What a pretentious fuck. Today's young people are young and have not felt the suffering that comes from not having exactly what they perceive they need when they need it at all times. It is my humble opinion that these liberal dimwits would be much better people, alive or dead, if they were sent to the Middle East to fight the ISIS that their hipster president created. Self-fulfilling prophecy of stupidity. How's your latte taste with a triple shot of the dry earth of Mosul? I copy and paste the nonsensical text. In between photos of his two German shepherds, his motorcycle, and sunsets are memes with unflattering photographs of left-wing politicians with right-wing soundbites. So he's a right-winger now. Self-righteous asshole used to be a hippie. With each link I click, I can see that he spends a lot of time writing and thinking about a world he apparently hates. I can relate. I hated for a long time. Is it possible that Carl is like me? Of course, but my cause was noble. I thought it was. I'm not so sure anymore. It was fun. Sometimes. I notice these three asterisks repeated in his posts. I click one and it takes me to a new page with this text on it. Put some ice in your glass and join this family for a party at 3498 Troy Avenue 92501. I do a search on the blog page and find a couple more entries. There's been a recent transition at 28 Paper Lane, 92105. This is worse than I ever thought it could be. I thought the book and the TV thing was it, but he is talking directly to his followers. His 12,000 followers. He is posting the addresses of regular people. Looks like immigrants and trans people. He's telling his bigot contingent to go to their houses and do what? Harass these people, hurt them? All because they challenge his cis-straight privilege. I'm pissed. At our peak, Pussy Power had 6,000 followers. What the fuck? No. Don't do that, Dee. People who were involved with Pussy Power weren't followers. That's the thing. They weren't sheep like the numbnuts that fall in line with the doctrine that being white is a thing white is right so i'm going to harass bash kill people that are not like me to create some white society this website needs to be shut down ddos attack coming at you motherfucker his lack of discretion is laughable he wants people to find this typical carl his malicious activities are out in the open to what connect with people who agree with him look up to him maybe he does this because he is lonely He is unafraid of persecution, but he would play the victim when he gets persecuted. If I was in a reflective mood, I could look at these characteristics in myself. I am not. I am in the mood to sniff this motherfucker out. On the events page, he's listed an appearance next month at a gun show. In an instant, a plan unfolds in my mind. I'm not surprised because this is my superpower. I turn my chair away from the computer screen. What am I doing hiding in here on a sunny summer's day instead of drinking a cold beverage at Cecilia's cousin's place? They have a pool. Fuck this bullshit, I'm wasting my time. I print out the information I have collected. I think about yelling to everyone in the place to get a fucking life, but I don't want to draw attention to myself in case my search history gets back to anyone, so I leave without incident. I am a good citizen who is using an internet cafe. Because A, my internet got turned off at home, not my fault. B, I'm visiting from out of town and don't have my own computer. Or C, I'm on probation and not allowed to use the internet for anything like the ruining of a geriatrics attempt at infamy. He's a born-again white supremacist. In pussy power, our most trusted tool was burner phones. These prepay phones were hard to track, easy to buy, and ready to use right away. They didn't require a payment plan, ID, or anything that would lead the authorities back to us. They had some GPS functions that could have probably been tracked if it ever came to that, but usually, by the time the phone has fulfilled its purpose, it is smashed and dumped. I've been out of the burner demographic for a couple of years, and in that time, I'm sure the telecommunications companies and the government will have cracked down on these types of phones by now. They are only used for nefarious purposes. Thankfully, no. I'm standing in front of a display of at least five different burner phones with prepay included. Out of the corner of my eye, I can see a staff member coming towards me, so I grab the cheapest one and avoid small talk by holding up the phone and smiling. Got what I need, thanks! Success. This phone gives me untethered freedom. No one knows I have it, and I am untraceable. This little fossil of a flip phone opens the world up to me. I put the unopened package in an internal pocket of my backpack.
0: Sorry I missed your call I was busy Now I don't get